welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Today, again, we'll be in Romans chapter 6. We are taking a short break uh, from a greater story series. Today will be a standalone message where I want to talk about uh, the magnitude of baptisms, okay? And really, I've not taught on this in a while, so I look very much forward to it. Um, but today will be all about the magnitude of baptism. So read with me. Uh, Romans chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1 uh, and read uh, through verse 7. It says this. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Uh, Church, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we come before you humbly. Uh, God, we just ask you right now, I ask you as I've been asking all morning, uh, God, would you come and meet with us? Uh, God, I pray right now in the preaching, teaching of your word, God, that it would uh, would be you saying what you want to say to your people. God, your word says it's alive and active. Uh, is sharper than a double-edged sword. And so, God, I, I just pray right now that this time wouldn't be anything about me, uh, but, God, you would get the glory and the honor for it. And, God, meet us all where we are uh, to hear a word from you. God, change our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, again, teaching on baptism today and the magnitude of what baptism represents. And so, many of us, maybe not have heard that or really heard a teaching on baptism. Uh, Some of us may have been trained uh, by a a good old Southern movie. Uh, Maybe some of you have seen it. Do we have anyone that has seen, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou in the House of the Lord today? Don't be afraid. It's okay. Uh, You can share. Um, And and so I think about a scene from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And if you don't know that movie, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. Wouldn't you all agree? But but three guys basically on the run, uh, basically... Uh, have, have, like I said, are criminals, and they're trying to get the treasure, and it's just a lot of craziness. But in this one scene, the three of them are in the woods, and this group of people, all dressed in white, just randomly start walking through the woods. And they're singing that, that uh, I went down to the river to pray. And so they're going into the river. There's a preacher there waiting on them, and they're getting baptized by the dozens. I mean, there's people going in the water. And then oh, poor old Delmar, Delmar, out of nowhere, just starts taking off to the river, Right? And they're looking around like, what is Delmar doing? And so Delmar comes running. He runs up into the river. He gets to the head of the line. He cuts his way into the preacher. Preacher says something to him. He baptizes him in the water, and he comes out. And I'm telling you, he looks at him. He says, well, that's it, boys. It's nothing but the straighten air for me. All my sins have been washed away. And so he comes up, and he's fired up, and and they're like, what in the world is he doing? And then he, he keeps on going, and he says, yeah, boys, it's all good. He said, um, I've been forgiven of all my sins. He said, even that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Wazoo, 
They said, Delmar, you was innocent of them crimes, you said. He said, well, I lied, and I've been free of them too. <laughs> and so, yeah, he said, all the charges are dropped, and, and we begin to see this picture of, of baptism. And so today, I want to talk about exactly what is happening, uh, because in there, he says, that preacher washed away my sins. But today, I want to talk about the Savior that washes away our sins, amen? Um, and so we're going to be diving into baptism. So first of all, let me explain what baptism is. Uh, number one, baptism does not save us, okay? The way I would describe it is obedience and following through in baptism is the evidence and the outward expression that we have been saved, right? Uh, so baptism does not save us. We believe that it is the first step of obedience after salvation, after we've made a decision, we have chosen to say yes and place our faith in Jesus, we follow through in baptism. Think about it like this. It is an outward declaration of an inward change, okay? It is simply an outward declaration of an inward change. You see it in Acts chapter 2, uh, when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost and Peter preached, 3,000 said yes to Jesus and 3,000 were baptized that very day. They asked Peter, like, I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus has died in place for my sin. What do I do? He says, repent and be baptized. All right, then you go on down in, in, in Acts chapter 8. We see literally uh, Philip meet an Ethiopian at a chariot, leads the guy to Christ, and then a few minutes later, when they walk up on a body of water, uh, he baptizes them. Right? And so you see that baptism is immediate obedience after salvation. That's one of the things that we do at our church is that um, we believe that's a very big deal, right? That we publicly profess the inward reality that we know Christ. You'll, you'll notice at our church that I don't do all the baptizing. Uh, nowhere in scripture does it say that the preacher needs to do the baptizing, but rather all of us have the commission to go and make disciples to share Christ. And so one of the things we believe is that if you have had uh, uh, an influence on someone coming to faith in Christ, it is our joy to see that person baptize someone, right? And I know that's a little different, but man, we, we want to just follow the scriptures and do it that way. But as we celebrate, you're going to learn at our church, we believe baptisms are a big deal. Again, today, uh, I want to talk about what baptism represents. If you have your, your, your notes and take a note, take this with you, a life that is dead to sin and alive in Christ. Baptism represents a life that is now dead to sin and alive in Jesus. Let's see what God's word says about this. So we read Romans chapter six, starting in verse one, and I probably need to explain this a little bit. Verse one says, uh, what, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And then Paul says, by no means. So what's happening here is Paul has been writing this letter to the Roman church, and really in chapters 3, 4, and 5, he's laying out the beauty and the glory of the good news of Jesus, that if we have a relationship with him, if we place our faith in Jesus, okay, he says that he takes our sin away and he gives us his righteousness, that we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone. I'm sorry, by grace alone, through faith alone. Well, naturally, man, people have been asking the same question for 2,000 years that if I place my faith in Jesus and he saves me and it has nothing to do with me, why don't I just keep on sinning so that grace may increase? I think we've all wrestled with that. 
Like, is there, like, how much is too much? How bad is bad enough? Like, if Jesus already paid for it all, I'm forgiven. I can just live in it. Like, this is what Paul is literally addressing. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we just keep on sinning so that grace may increase? And he says sternly, by no means. And then he begins to lay out the why. So listen, it says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? It says, so don't you know that all of us who were baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You might want to highlight that, a new life. For if we have been united with him, that is huge, in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So take this with you. Baptism represents union with Christ. Baptism represents union with Christ, being united with Jesus, okay? Um, I, I think about it like this. Of when, we, when we are baptized, we are publicly saying, I have now been united uh, with Christ. So let's first see, well, what did Jesus come and do? So Jesus left heaven, he came to earth, and he died to sin, okay? Uh, he hung up on a cross, and he took on the sins of the world. He was buried, and then three days later, he was resurrected. He, he was now walking in resurrection life. Now listen to this. When we become united with him, what we're saying is our old life died with Christ. Just as he died for our sin, our old life is dying with him, and a new life with him, united with him, has been raised up, and now we're walking with him. Uh, Paul, Paul said it like this. He says, um, Galatians 2.20, that it is no longer I who live. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And what that means is, when we unite ourselves with Christ, we live with him, but he also lives in us. That means that when he becomes head of our life, wherever we take our bodies, we take him with us. We are now a part of the living God, right? And that changes things when we truly see Jesus is not some far off imaginative figure, but as someone I've become united with. Where I go, he goes. What I do, he sees and is with me, right? Um, I, I think about it like this. Um, uh, talking about Christmas gifts, we're not far from Christmas gifts. Uh, Bella, my oldest daughter, she got a tie-dye machine, okay? Does anybody have any tie-dye? You ever play with any tie-dye? All right, we're the only dumb parents that did it. But anyway, um, I got asked about that darn tie-dye for three weeks, okay? And man, you know, our, our life's kind of busy, and I don't even know what entails tie-dye, but I was just kept like, baby, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Well, finally, she won us over, and we went to do some tie-dyeing, okay? And when what happened with that tie-dye is you have to soak it, like we filled a tub, and we put the contents or the properties of the colors into that water, and we had to soak those shirts in, that, in those contents, in those properties, in that water for an extended period of time. Well, I, I want to give some similarity here. The word baptizo in the original language, this word means to plunge or to dip, okay? 
The word baptizo, the word used for baptism, means to plunge or to dip. It is literally the same word we use for dying clothes. So basically it says when we become Christians, we are dipped into the blood of Christ, and there's unions in that. There's a union in that. Because, see, here's the deal. When, when we put that shirt into the contents and it began to soak, and what happens is that color, that what was a white shirt and that color, when it all got into the water together, listen, it wasn't like it got painted onto the shirt. Those color properties became a part of the shirt. You guys tracking with me here? So in the same way, when you get in that water, when we say yes to Christ, we are dipping our lives into his finished work, and his properties now become our properties, right? Who he is becomes who we are. Right? It is not uh, one way. We don't paint on a tie-dye shirt and wipe it off. No, it has become a part of the shirt. That color is what it is. Listen, it is not a small deal to say I'm united with Christ. And so I, I want to talk about maybe how we've missed that is that we live in the Bible Belt. We had a very interesting conversation in my small group, and we were talking about kind of some of the enemies of, of seeing Christ flourish in our day and time and in our space. And I believe one of the, the ways that, that we really see the gospel sort of sheltered is that big things that happen in Christ can somewhat become a matter of social acceptance, right? Like you, you make 100 on a math test, and you get baptized and the celebration is kind of the same. It becomes a social acceptance that you go to church, you be a good person, and when you decide to do that, like, okay, we all cheer and celebrate, but then we move on with life. Or maybe in some churches, like, everything is about, hey, this heightened moment where we made a decision, okay, and like this thing happens, and then we just go on about life like it's just another day. And what I want you to know is this. Baptism is not a matter of social acceptance. It's a matter of spiritual reality. Hear that again. It's not a matter of social acceptance. It's a matter of spiritual reality. Okay? And what I'm saying is, is this. Is it's not one of those things where you know, we make a decision, we do it, and then we live a life with no fruit after it and say that, hey, like I'm united with Christ. That's just not a real thing. Right? Uh, listen, I, I want you to stay with me here, okay? We need to live and, and cherish this moment like heaven and hell are a real thing. This is a big deal, right? It's a tremendous celebration. And see, uh, I, I don't want to be a group of people that minimize the magnitude of, of baptism. I don't want to be a people that minimize the magnitude of of that. Because listen, I want you to know something today as these five, six, seven folks go to tell you that, hey, I've been united with Christ. There is great cause for celebration and joy in this house, brother and sister. You guys with me? There is great cause for joy today. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. And so let's continue to move forward and see what Paul is trying to teach us here. So I want to reiterate, baptism represents that we're united with Christ. Secondly, Baptism represents being dead to sin. Baptism represents being dead to sin. It says we are buried with him in baptism. And I, and I want you to pick up with verse number 8. We're going to read through 14. It says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died... He died to sin 
once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought, hear this, from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. So listen, what it's saying is there's an old body. right? That, that when we went down in the water, there was an old body that was, key word here, ruled by sin. And that, my friends, is the difference. Have you ever wondered why, as hard as you try, you can't stop doing blank? As hard as you try, this thing still sticks with me. Man, it's no, no matter how hard I try, I can't get over blank. Because see, here's the deal. Before Christ comes into the picture, we're fighting sin with worldly weapons that cannot win. We're, we're, fighting, weapons with, we're fighting with worldly weapons that cannot win. But listen, when Jesus comes into our life, here's the deal. It's not that sin goes away. It's just that our relationship with sin has changed. It's just that our, our relationship with sin has changed. So, so you might ask the question, you know, what do I do with sin? You know, what do I do when, when I have it, when I struggle with it? Take this with you. We don't live in it, but now we make war on it. It's not that we don't have it, but now we have the ability to say no. Listen, take this with you. We're not slaves to it, but in Christ, we've been set free from it. And what unifies us at the church is this, is that we are all striving and abiding in Christ, walking together, encouraging each other, loving each other, teaching one another, so that we may walk in the victory that we already have in Christ Jesus. That's what it's about. We don't point it out. We encourage one another to walk with Christ so that he may help you get on the other side of that thing you're struggling with. But I'm telling you, but if you don't surrender to Christ first, you're, you're fighting a battle that you cannot win. You're talking to, I'm talking from someone that absolutely knows that. So listen, you may say, well, Pastor Bud, I just can't be a Christian. I can't follow Jesus. I still have sin. I still have the desire to sin. This is what I, it just won't go away. This is what I want to say. Welcome to the club. Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. That you may think you're the only one, but wake up to the reality, to the most godly man or woman you know, or the worst person you know, we all wake up with that reality. So I say welcome. But I, I want to show you what this looks like of the difference, okay? Because it says here that, verse 6, that, that the body ruled by sin may be done away with in Christ. It goes on down in verse 14, it says, for sin shall no longer be your master. Uh, I want to teach you here. Uh, turn with, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. I want to show you something. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 1, it says this. So this is before we meet Christ. Okay, Before, we, we, what baptism represents is death to sin. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now that is not physically dead, that is spiritually dead. That, that when we are born, there is no spiritual life in us, but rather we are slaves to sin. We are mastered by sin. It is, think about it like this. We wake up on autopilot to sin and self. Oh, that's, just, that's just true. And it says, for as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Verse 2, listen. 
It says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And listen, it says you followed the ways of the world. That's sin. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan. So listen, before Christ, we are slaved and mastered by sin and Satan. Every person in here, that's the direction we go. But it says, but check this out. He is the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. That's sin and Satan. That's our master. Now, verse 3. It says this, it says, uh, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And so when we're dead in our sin, listen, it says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We're going to see this in a minute, but the, the wages of sin is death, and, and we were under slavery and mastery of it. Now, verse 4 and 5, it's what God's Word says. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, verse 5, take this with you, uh, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Listen to me. When we surrender to Christ, listen, that old master, that old way is now done. His head is crushed, and we have now the opportunity to live life a new way. Listen, in, in, in Genesis 3.15, this is what God's Word says. It says, uh, it's a prophetic teaching of what Jesus is going to do on the cross. It says that the snake will bite his heel, but the son of woman will crush his head. Listen to me. When Jesus came out of the tomb, he crushed the head of Satan in your life that he no longer has to call the shots. I'm going to give you an example right here. You're like, well, what is the relationship with sin? Um, I, I was running at my parents' house on the farm a while back. And, uh, and me and my brother were running, and he ran up on a rattlesnake, okay? And we had a, we had a moral discussion at my, another small group I'm in, and what, what you should do with the, the rattlesnake. And so I don't want to offend anybody, but when I come up on a rattlesnake, I know what's going to happen to the rattlesnake, okay? Uh, I got little ones that run on this same farm. I'm not taking any chances. Uh, so, so listen, you know, he called up, and, and we did what you do to, to rattlesnakes, I guess, if you're me, all right? And let's just say, I'm not going to say how it happened, but his head ceased to be a part of his body anymore, okay? And so, here's the deal. When that head was crushed, all right? When that head was crushed, just like when Jesus came out of the tomb, he, when we receive his victory on the cross, the head of the enemy is crushed. But I want to tell you what happened to that snake for 20 or 30 more minutes. You know what that body was doing? It was kicking around. So if you're new in Christ, I want you to know something. It's not that that old life don't want to kick around and try and get going and that flesh tries to creep up and get going. This is what I want you to know is this. Whenever that old life tries to keep going, that old life that was ruled by sin, listen, you remember that the head of that snake was crushed. That the difference is you're no longer ruled by it and you recognize that old body for what it is and you remember who you are in Christ. And that's what he says it is. That's what it looks like. It may show, it, that old life may show signs of life at times, but listen, that old life don't call the shots. Our Savior Jesus does. So what we're learning is that we have the power in Jesus and the authority in Jesus to put sin to death. But this is what I want you to know. Again, what baptism represents, it is union with Christ, that an old life died with Jesus. The old life of sin is dead. And again, I'm, I'm talking about what I believe holds the gospel back from absolutely flourishing in our day and time, okay? And this is what I mean is I'm not talking about getting baptized and then living your life in continued 
willful, unrepentant sin with no conviction to change. If that's true of you, you need a relationship with Jesus. That's just true. And that's not a guilt thing. That's a truth thing. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying today through his word is that the old life does not have to remain the same life you're living. That is a way out. So, and this is the deal, and it's not directed at you, but I'm going to give you my heart, is when that happens, it creates gospel confusion for those that are trying to come in, because I'm going to be honest with you, that kept me out of the kingdom for a good bit. That I thought if I could come and say the right thing, show up at the right place, and do it one time and then live like everyone else, that that was enough. And what it does for those that have no context trying to come in, it creates confusion. That they can't see Jesus clearly. And so listen, I I want you to know this, and I want you to take this with you, okay? Don't create gospel confusion because your disobedience is keeping people out of the kingdom. So take this with you. When we go public, baptism is a symbol that our old life that was ruled by sin went down with Christ. And here's the good news. Take this with you. It went down in the water and died, but baptism also represents being made alive in Christ. Baptism represents being made alive in Christ. So we are dead to the old life. And again, I want you to know, it's not that the struggle isn't there. We just have the ability to win in Christ Jesus. So this is what we celebrate. It's a new life coming out of the water. John 3.3 says this. It says, no one may enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so listen, when we get the gospel we, we get to the opportunity to celebrate a new life. When you make it for real, you don't have to pay for your sin over and over and over again. That life is new. It's a, it's a new creation. We should celebrate it like crazy. We shouldn't go back and back again. Listen, no matter what your past looks like, look at the gospel and say, what is true of my life today? Because that, that, that opportunity is new every day to be reminded of who we are in Christ. And if you're struggling with that, listen, We don't overcome sin by looking at sin. We overcome sin by looking at Christ. Listen, look with me in verse uh, verse 15. It says, what then shall we, uh, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? It says, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now... Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What he's saying is this. Before we come to the, to the cross, man, we could do whatever we, the heck we wanted, and it don't matter. It says you're free from this stuff. You're free from righteousness. He said, you, you don't have to worry about it. I remember that. It don't matter. I could go do whatever. But he says, here's the deal. Pick him back up. It says... Um, but you were, you were slaves, it says, so now, uh, or verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from the, time, time, from the uh, 
the, from the things you are now ashamed of. What he's saying is this. When we lived in slaves to sin, what did it bring us? That, that I can comment on. You know what I'm saying? A lot of headache, heartache, brother, right? What did you have to show for it? Man, broke is a joke and hurting. <laughs> right? And so he says, what, what do you have to show when you are free from Christ? Remember, I said it all the time. Sin always over promises, always under delivers. And when we're slaves to it, what it does is it continues to break us. Continues to take us lower and lower. But listen, take this with you. This is so good. First, um, it says, those things result in death. That's not only eternal death, but it brings death to the things in our life. Relationships and all those things. But listen, take this with you, okay? But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. And that's good. For the wages of sin, the cost is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Here's the deal. We get a new identity in Jesus Christ. And we begin to receive and walk in that newness. Okay, We begin to overcome and we begin to grow in confidence. I believe this in, in our time. Because I grew up in in this area and that kind of thing. But I've come to the conviction that it is now time to start believing that the gospel actually changes lives. That people meet it and, and they say, there is no way. That's a new life. I think we're at the point where we read Romans 1.16 and believe when the gospel is preached that lives are made new. That people come out of the water. Listen, this, as this country and this, 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 this world begins to break down, listen, we are the remnant. We are the faithful. We are those that are to be uh, the sons and daughters of righteousness that we preach, live, and proclaim this. And I'm telling you, those that were broken, they will be rescued from darkness to light as we become followers of Jesus. As we live and walk the gospel, I'm telling you, I've seen it with my own eyes. People will walk in the living rooms. They will walk into our gatherings. They will walk into this place, and they will leave brand new. That's available, man. That's just good. That's what he says it symbolizes. It symbolizes that we've been made alive in Christ and that we're called to live like we're alive in Christ. But listen, the problem in doing that is not a lack of power, but it's a lack of vision. Hear that again. To walk like we're alive in Christ, it's not that Jesus hasn't given us a lack of power, but it's a lack of vision. Because here's the deal. As your eyes stay focused on Christ, and even though it's imperfect, even though you don't get as much quiet time as you want, even if things are struggling, you keep your eyes focused on Christ, you keep your vision on Him, He'll give you what you need to walk in victory. But listen, as you begin to look at your surroundings and the sin around you, this world will cripple you. That's just true. It's not a lack of power. It's a lack of vision. And what I'm telling you is this, is that as we keep our eyes on Christ, we will begin to walk in victory. You will begin to see yourselves becoming more like Jesus. It's not about taking a million steps. It's just about taking the next one. Listen, it's not about walking in perfection. It's just about having a pursuit of Jesus. That's what the Christian life and walking and making and being made alive is like. That's what Paul is teaching us here. But I want you to know, that old body, that old sin, that old master, he's still going to lie to you. He'll deceive you, he'll distract you, and he'll try and divide you. 
Hear that again. He'll deceive you, he'll distract you, and he'll try and divide you. That's what he does, man. It's the same thing he's been saying over and over. As you set your eyes on the one, he'll do everything he can to pull your eyes and to put it on something around you. That's what he'll do, man. But I'm telling you, our Savior has overcome. And I want you to know something about the gospel here. Because as I preach it, it's a two-sided coin of if you don't know Jesus, man, the judgment of God, all that stuff is, is true. It's happening. But if you know him, listen, all that stuff that's been paid for, it's gone. Right? And that's the beauty of the gospel. And I want you to know something here. I'll, I'll know how well you understand the gospel when you mess up. That, that's how I'll know. When you make a mistake in this new life, don't run from your father. Run to him. That's, that's the difference. Right? I'll, I'll know how much you understand it. But, because if you mess up and blow it and run the other way, that's not it, man. I, I saw somebody post this the other day. Religion and relationship with Jesus Religion is, I messed up, I've got to cover this up so my father won't find out. Relationship says, man, I've messed up, I need to call my father. That's it, man. That's the beauty and the power we have when we're made alive in Christ. And so when we begin to grow in this, these things are going to be true. Number one, a life in Christ will lead us to obedience. Take this with you. A life in Christ will lead you to obedience. There's no other way, right? And, and as God begins to prompt you to obey, whether that be to respond and publicly come to faith and be baptized, like that's your first step, right? And his spirit will lead you to obey. And from there, you may have no clue how to read the Bible. I'm embarrassed to say this. I didn't pick up the Bible and study it until I was 21 years old, been in church my whole life. I started with the Gospels, and I kept wondering about that third one. But Luke, I'm like, why are they telling the same story again? I'm tired of reading it, right? No, no context. I was like, well, I'll just start a New Testament. I don't, know where to, I don't know where to start. It's not about taking a million steps or becoming a theologian. It's about saying yes to Jesus today. That's, that's it. Every day. That's the life. That's what it looks like. Secondly, take this with you. A, a life in Christ leads to holiness. And what that means is to be set apart. A life in Christ leads to holiness. That means that we will begin to start looking different than the old life and the world around us. Man, I want to be a difference maker. Does anybody want to be a difference maker with your life? Listen, to be a difference maker, you got to look different than the world. we we got to look different. And so as we begin to obey, we will begin to become different. Again, not in a moment, but day by day, that, that followership and obedience will compound into holiness, into more and more being set apart, becoming more and more like Jesus. Third thing, take this with you. A life in Christ leads to righteousness. Now, this is very important. I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm talking about as we surrender to Christ, we begin to gain more and more of his righteousness in us. Right? And so we begin to look more and more like Christ and that you begin to see an identifiable, this was my old life, I recognize that, I repent, I turn. I am now living a new life. It might be messy. It might look perfect. Right? It, it might look imperfect. It might be all over the place. But by golly, I'm not who I was. Amen? I'm walking in who I am in Christ. And listen, this is the key, okay? It is yielding and keeping your eyes on Jesus and yielding to the new identity you have. That's the key. Every day, it is not fighting but yielding and surrendering again to Jesus. You know, I, I think about it like this, Okay? Before we said yes to Christ, there was only one radio frequency coming into our ears. 
Right? It was sin and me. That's the only frequency we can hear. There's nothing wrong with you. That's how we're all wired. But when we hear the gospel, this, this new sound frequency comes in. It's like when you were a kid and, and some of you younger folks don't even know. You remember when you only got one channel on the TV and there was no remote? No, nobody. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, listen, that was a thing once upon a time. You got channel three and that was a wrap after that. But, but listen, that's kind of how it was. But in Christ, man, there's this new channel. Now, it looks strange, sounds strange, feels strange. But what begins to happen is we're drawn to that channel. And we want to begin to hear and watch and listen to it. And that's what the spiritual life is like. Wake up and decide which channel you're going to listen to. Which channel you're going to set your eyes on. And what I'm telling you is to set your lives on Jesus. You know, I tell this story a lot, talking about identity. For me, our identity in Christ it isn't a thing of the Christian life. It is the thing. We have to find our identity in who Jesus says we are. That's every day. That identity is the thing. You know, I've told you, as I, um, with Devin and Sebastian, I have two boys that are older and adopted. And, and man, honestly, like when we would invest, and man, we began to cultivate a family, even sometimes when they would return to their bio family, I can remember when they would come home, it was like almost having to rewire stuff again. Like there was the devastation, the destruction of, of, of who people said they were, that they're never going to amount to anything, that you're no good, it's your fault. And it would literally be rewiring. And this is what I would tell them. I want everybody to lean in because you need to hear Jesus tell you this. That's who you were. That is not who you are anymore. Listen, that's what I would have to tell them over and over. That was who you were. That is not who you are. And Jesus says the same thing. If his blood covers you, who you are is who he says you are. And even on the days where you don't feel like it, even on the days, because there's some days where you're going to be in your quiet time and it feels like Jesus is walking right beside you. There's going to be days where you wake up and you'll wonder if I'm, if I'm even saved. That's just true. All right, so don't, don't be weirded out when that happens because here, take this with you. Praise God that his word holds more weight than our feelings. Praise God for that. Praise God that who he says we are holds more weight than what we feel. Take this with you. Your emotions are not your master, Christ is. Your emotions are not your master, Christ is. And so what we're celebrating today is that baptism is a declaration of an old life that went down in the water and died and a new life that's been raised up. I now have, and they're saying, I have a new direction with new desires. I have a new pursuit. It's about a pursuit of Jesus. It's not about perfection. But I'm coming forward to say, I've been made alive in Christ. And as we finish here in Romans chapter 6, 23, I want you to read this with you. At the end of the day, this is what we all come to when we hear the gospel. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so what we have is a crossroads. Walk in, and there's two paths, right? And on this path, we've got sin that leads to death, staying in the life we are, or a relationship with Jesus that leads to life and eternal life. If you choose left, this is what it'll look like. A slave to sin, a slave to wickedness, a slave to debauchery, a slave to impurity, a slave to worldly death because of sin, and then a slave to eternal separation from Jesus. But if we say yes, but if we say yes, this is what happens. We are free from sin. We're free to obey. We're free to become holy. We're freed from this temporary life of sin. We are freed to have eternal life in Christ Jesus forever and ever and ever.
And when we say yes, brother, that is true of you and me. Amen? And I hope, I don't know if I hit the mark today, but doggone, I've been praying to hit it. I pray that today we know that today and this is a big deal. Let's not wash over this moment because there's some stories that I'm fired up about going in the water today. And so this is awesome. This is what we see, the reality of what's happening. And so as I get ready to close, I want to invite you. If this path hasn't been it, right? I want you to know that Jesus invites you in today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your truth. God, I pray that as your word was preached, God, that it accomplished what you wanted it to. And maybe today there's some that have lived with gospel confusion that didn't know what it meant to be dead. And I've always wondered why I can't come out of it. Why, why, why I don't feel free. Why I don't go. Or maybe some it's been outright, I've just not wanted it. I want you to know today, man, that doesn't have to be the way you leave. And so if you're here today and you would say, but man, I, I want a relationship with Jesus for real. Not, I, I want to know Christ as Lord. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand? And we're past the awkwardness. Uh, we're, we're, we're ready for folks to obey, man. Is that anyone in the house of God today that would say yes to the Lord? For the rest of us, God, as we get ready to celebrate new life in Christ, God, I pray that we would celebrate well. And God, that we would see this day for what it is, Lord. For those that have said yes. God, it's clear we can't afford to live without you, Jesus. And so, I just say thank you, God, for those that have said yes to you. And I pray we would celebrate, God, that their sin is no more. They've died to it. It's been paid for. God, who we were is not who we are. Praise God for that. God, I pray we would celebrate, sing to you in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.